0: You know, life is filled with questions. I mean, we we begin our lives by asking, why? Why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? I mean, from the very beginning, we are filled with questions. Kids drive their parents nuts with questions. But I want to take you this morning to possibly... The most important question in all of the Word of God. This is a pivotal point in Scripture. Nothing is ever the same after this portion that we're going to read together, and it's the question that changed everything. Seriously, this is the question that changed everything. Possibly the most important question, certainly in the New Testament, Possibly the entire Word of God. And it's found in John chapter 14, verse 22. Would you look there, please? John chapter 14, verse 22. Man, these guys are sharp. How did they know I was going to go to that verse? Oh, God let you in on it too, huh? Okay. All right. John fourteen twenty-two. Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord... How is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? How is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not through the world? Well, let's examine. Let's examine this question for a while. And by the way, those red lights, when I go too long, those go off so I'm going to try to hurry here. All right, the first question concerning the question so that we can understand it is, when was this question asked? Well, we've got to look at the context, so go back to verse 15. Jesus is speaking to His disciples, if you love Me, keep My commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but you see me, because I live, you shall live also." At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, ye and me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved to my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. And then immediately we come to that question that I just asked or just read to you just a moment ago. So what is happening when this question is asked? Jesus is getting ready to leave. And he's preparing the disciples for his departure. On at least 12 occasions, Jesus sat the disciples down, looked them straight in the eyes, and said, Look, guys, we're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested, tried, convicted, and I'm even going to be killed. But it's okay, because on the third day, I'm going to rise from the grave miraculously. Now, he told them that at least 12 times, but they never got it. And they didn't expect any of that to happen when he was crucified. But he is getting ready to leave this earth, and he's talking about going away and what's going to happen, and the disciples are confused, and they're probably a little bit afraid because there's been a complete change in the ministry of Jesus. Before this, the ministry of Jesus has been very, very, very public. Everywhere Jesus goes, great multitudes would follow him, thousands and thousands. This is chapter 14. Chapter 12 is the triumphal entry when most of the city of Jerusalem turned out to see Jesus coming into the streets in great triumph. But then suddenly everything changes. Those multitudes turn and they go away. So many of them go away that Jesus turned to the disciples and said, will you also go away? And that's when they said, well, where else would we go? You have the words of life. Jesus, by the time we get to John chapter 14, has turned his focus from thousands and multitudes to this small band of believers. And almost everything he's doing, almost all that he's saying, almost all of his ministry is to these men. And because of that, he begins to reveal his plan. And that's what he's going to do in response to this question. That's why I say this question is a turning point in Scripture. It's a change. It's a pivot point. So that's when the question is asked. Now secondly, who asks the question? Look at the text, John 14, 22. Who asked the question? Who? Okay. What do we know about this Judas? By the way, this is the only time we find him in Scripture, by this name. There's a lot of controversy over who this dude is, okay? But it's the only time this disciple is referred to as Judas. And what is the only thing we're told about him in our text? He's not Iscariot, okay? Uh, Can anybody tell me who his father was? Can anybody tell me who his mother was? Can anybody tell me whether he was married, whether he had kids? Can anybody tell me what his hometown was? Now, here's the point the only thing we know about this Judas is he was not Iscariot. Isn't that fascinating? Judas asked the question, but the Holy Spirit wanted us to know it was not Iscariot. It was not that Judas. It was another Judas. But here's the beauty of this. We don't know anything about him except... Come on, folks, you could be a little more. We don't know anything about him except thank you, not Iscariot. Now, think about this. If my premise is true, and I believe it is, that this is one of the most important questions ever asked in Scripture, and it changes everything from this point on, if it is that important, why didn't Jesus choose Peter or or John or one of the other disciples that we know a little bit more about, why, why, didn't, why didn't Jesus choose one of them or why didn't God? Here's why. Here's the lesson, folks. God loves to use average, ordinary people in His plan. God loves to use average, ordinary people. Now, I'm looking at Pastor Tony over here, and I love this guy. I really do. I don't tell him very often because he'll get the big head. It's already removed most of his hair. (laughs) But I love this guy. He's done an incredible job here, and I pray for him every Sunday morning. I pray for Tony. But I'm looking around, he can't do most of the work here. I mean, here's one person, his wife, and the other staff. But look, you are the folks that make up the church. It's not Pastor Tony, it's you people. You're going to have this incredible event. And I, this is awesome, folks. This is awesome. We have gone, whoops. Don't let the dinosaur fall. Could break a hip. But we have have gone so far from little cardboard cutouts for vacation Bible school because the world has gone so far. Why is it that the church has to do such phony, hokey things when the world does everything so professional? Isn't it time that we started doing things with excellence? This is awesome. But Tony didn't do all this. And when you have this incredible vacation Bible school, you are the people that are going to be doing all the work. So, in other words, vacation Bible school is all about you, not Tony, because he's not Iscariot. (laughs) At least I don't think. (laughs) But isn't that the truth? Look at the people that God uses in Scripture. We put all of our attention on Paul because Paul was an NBL, you know. He was a natural-born leader. I mean, he was. Incredibly educated, articulate. I believe he was wealthy and, and influential. But he is the exception, not the rule. Take a look at Moses. NBL? Are you kidding me? A natural born leader? Uh, not exactly. God calls him to deliver the children of Israel. He immediately blows it royal and has to flee for his life and he's hiding for 40 years. And after 40 years, God comes to him and Moses argues, uh uh-uh, God, no, you got the wrong, no, no, I got a speech, 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 speech impediment. No. Jacob Oh, yeah, there's a natural-born leader for you. The guy whose name meant the deceiver. Yeah, what a great guy conspires with his mother to deceive his old man, his father. Abraham, what a jerk. Well, he was. Ladies, can you imagine your husband saying, hey, babe, Next winter, we're going south. We're going to go down to Florida. I'm sick and tired of these Ohio winters. We're going, to spend the, we're going to spend the whole winter down in Florida. And the wife goes, Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. And then he says, But, you know, you're really beautiful. You know that. I know. <clears throat> you are really beautiful. And when we get down there to Florida, you know, some of those men might want you, and I don't want them to hurt me. So I'm just going to tell them, You can have her. She's my sister. Ladies, doesn't that make your heart go pitter-patter? Isn't that exactly what Abraham did? Twice. He did it twice. Abraham was a jerk. Can I get an amen, ladies? But he was a jerk that surrendered himself to God, and God changed him. Then we move to the New Testament. Peter. Now, there is a man of courage. I never heard of the blankety-blank so-and-so. I, I, I am not a follower of Jesus. uh uh-uh, oh, no, no, not me. Right? Until after the resurrection, until God changed his heart. God loves to use losers. Doesn't he? God loves to use losers like Judas. Thank you. (laughs) Who asked the question? This unknown person to prove to us that God doesn't just use the well-known apostles and disciples. He uses anyone who will surrender themselves to Him. Now, quickly, what is the question? What is the question? Well, let's look at it again. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? That's a great question. And that's why it's a question that changes everything. And we could ask the same question. What plan did God devise for spreading the gospel around the world? Well, He, uh, he could have written the gospel in the clouds. You ever see the skywriters, the planes that write things? And they don't have those as much now as they used to, but used to, you know, you could rent that thing and, you know, will you marry me? And then the, wife, the girl would go, no. Uh, she would have her own plane, you know. But hey, if man can write things in the sky, don't you think that the God of the universe had the ability every morning we could wake up and there would be a different verse of the gospel up in the clouds? Don't you think God could do that? Of course he could, but he didn't. God spoke audibly from the heavens on several occasions at the baptism of Jesus. We heard, this is my beloved son. Okay? So God can speak audibly. So, every morning, God could just speak from the sky. I mean, every Wednesday at noon, what happens? Tornado, all right? And now they have not just the sirens, now they have the speakers. I'll never forget the first time I heard that thing. I thought God was speaking to me. You know, I heard the siren going off, and then all of a sudden, if this were a real... Yes, Lord, yes. So, I mean, God could easily, every morning, and of course, He did it at Pentecost, so everybody could hear it in their own language. Every morning, all over the world, God could just speak the gospel into the airwaves, and we could hear it in our own tongue, in our own language. But he didn't choose to do that i mean the intricacy of nature don't you think that god could have developed a scripture plant and on the leaves of the scripture plant there would be different verses that would give you the gospel and give you the scriptures of course god could do that god could come up with hundreds of ways, means, methods, plans to get the gospel out to the world. But what has He chosen? He has chosen people like Judas. Thank you. He's chosen people like you and people like me. And that's what Judas is asking. He is saying, Lord, how is it That thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world. Lord, why are you just telling us? You are telling us things that you haven't told anybody else. When we had those thousands and thousands and thousands, and you had an opportunity to tell them this stuff, you didn't. You are telling us things you didn't tell them. Why? Why are you entrusting this message to us and why are you not just giving it to everyone in the world? Because that's not His plan. He has chosen people in vacation Bible schools to give the gospel. He has chosen you on your job to the person working next to you in the factory or the office. God has chosen you to share the good news of the gospel with a person living next door to you. God did not write on your neighbor's plants the gospel. God did not write in the sky over your neighbor's house the gospel. God gave you the gospel so that you could share it with your neighbor. That is God's plan. This is the question that changed everything because in the Old Testament, everybody was to come to Jerusalem. The message was, here is the house of God. It's spectacular. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. Come to Jerusalem and meet with God. That is the message of the Old Testament. But that's not the message of the New Testament. The message of the New Testament is not come. The message of the New Testament is, excuse me, The message of the New Testament has not come. The message of the New Testament is what? And who is the message given to? Oh, no, 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 no. Don't make it generic, us. That's, no, 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 no. It's not us. Who did he give that message to? Me. He gave that message to me. Judas. Not In this, God reveals his plan for getting the gospel to the world. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So here's the plan, all right? Here's the plan. First of all, he reveals the persons. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me. Now again, my premise is that verse 22 changes everything. Let me prove it. Go back to verse uh, 15. Jesus is speaking to the disciples specifically and says to them, a group of 12, if you love me, keep my commandments. He is speaking very narrowly to 12 men chosen for a special purpose. If you love me, keep my commandments. In verse 23, it changes. He says, if a man, if a woman, in other words, if anybody, He is not just saying to the disciples, if you, if you 12, you special chosen ones, after verse 22 and the question that Judas asked, Jesus expands it and says, if anybody, if anyone will keep my words, my Father will love him, we will come unto him and make our abode with him. God is going to use any individual who will surrender themselves to him. Anyone, anyone, would you turn to the neighbor on your right and say, I am a part of God's plan. Say that. Turn to your neighbor on your left and say, I am a part of God's plan. You are. If any man... If any woman, you don't need special credentials. And like I said, above all people, God loves to use of whom I am chief. Oh, listen, if you really know me, you would never let me preach here. My wife does, and don't you dare ask her. If any man, if anybody, this is God's plan, folks. This is God's plan. Now, what is the plan itself? Well, it's very simple. Jesus said, love me, keep my words. Cause and effect. I mean, it really is, it's that simple. If you love me, keep my words, keep my commandments. Now, the inverse of that is true. If you're not doing his commands, If you're not keeping his words, then you don't love him. In other words, don't go around telling people, I love Jesus, and you're not obeying him because you don't love him. You may be saved, redeemed on your way to heaven, but Jesus said, if a man love me, he will keep my words. Verse 24, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. And you see, this is a totally new, revolutionary concept. Because before this, everything was external. I was just talking about the temple. Before that was the tabernacle in the wilderness. And that's where God dwelt. If you wanted to visit God... He had to find the tabernacle. Later, he had to go to the temple. And you knew he was there if the Shekinah glory was sitting upon the tabernacle or the temple. The Holy Spirit would come and visit people in the Old Testament, but he would come and he would leave. He would come and he would leave. He was an external influence throughout the Old Testament. Look in verse uh, 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. Look, 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 look. For he dwelleth with you. Finish the verse for me out loud. Loud. Hasn't happened yet. It's coming. Not long. Pretty soon. It says he is dwelling with you, but very soon he shall be in you. That's absolutely revolutionary. And now will go back to verse 23 again. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and what? Make our abode with Him. What is an abode? A home, a house, a dwelling place. Now, this is a concept that had never, ever, ever, ever been heard. People of the Old Testament couldn't even fathom, couldn't dream of the actual presence of God being inside of you because they were accustomed to going to see where God lived. And then they would leave and The Spirit of God would come and the Spirit of God would leave. But the promise is, it's all going to change. And that's a part of the answer to the question that Judas asks in verse 22. Why, Lord, why are you telling us this and not the whole world? And Jesus says, because things are about to change, you are going to become the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is going to come and move into you and dwell in you, and you will be filled with Him, and you will have His power, and you will have His unction, and then it will become your responsibility. There's an incredible change that takes place in the Gospel of John. Jesus begins by saying, I am the light of the world. By the time you get to the end of the book of John, it has changed. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. It all changed. And so this really is the question that changed everything. And so, if we love him, we will keep his commandments. And one of the foremost commandments given to all of us is to go and make disciples. That's what you're going to do next week in vacation Bible school. You see, folks, listen. Next week in Bible school, you will be the answer to Judas's question. you will become the answer to his question. The red lights are about to go off. I've got about four more points. If you look down through verses 25 through the rest of the chapter, Jesus explains much more of the plan, but we don't have time to get into that. But he does give us a warning in verse 30, and then we'll finish. Jesus says, hereafter I will not talk much with you. Why? He's leaving. Like I said, he's getting them prepared. He's revealing the new plan to them. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. He was warning them about Satan. Verse 31. But that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. So he wraps this up by saying, Hey guys, I got this from my Father. I have shared it with you. And now what are we supposed to do with it? Well, Jesus answers. I love the way this chapter ends. He says, arise, let us go hence. They got the plan. They got the instructions. The question that changed everything has now been answered. And now they have their marching instructions. They have the power. The Holy Ghost is going to come in you. You are going to become the temple of God. You're going to become the bearers of the power of God and the Spirit of God. Every one of you, now! My Father has given it to me. I have given it to you. Now, you get up and go and do something with it. Arise! Let's go hence. Arise! Let's go fulfill the plan. And that's the message to you. Jesus got it from the Father. Jesus then gave it to the disciples. The Holy Spirit recorded it for us here in John's Gospel chapter 14. And now we know the plan. Here's the command. Let's get out of this place. I love what Tony said, be the church. All right? The mission field is right outside those doors. We're going to sing a quick song. We'll stand. We'll greet everybody. We'll say hello and goodbye. And then we'll walk out, get in our cars. Well, folks, let us arise. And go hence. Let's take the plan, take the gospel everywhere we.